to another special edition of Crown Conversations. Joining me tonight, pun master himself. I'm very excited for this. JJ from Kansas. Good evening. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. And for those who don't know, JJ is, uh, he's a writer and he also runs the uh, Red Wings SVN blog. So winging it in Motown. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, JJ. The, the Red Wings, they're they're hot right now. Three straight. Right now, yeah, three straight. <laughs> we're on a roll. Um, yeah, we're uh, it's it's funny because like the last uh, the two of the the first three wins were like really good, and then the last one was kind of that was against Anaheim. So I'm sure that that y'all from Greater Los Angeles can appreciate us beating the Ducks. Um, that one was kind of holes, but like the the wings have been getting just caved this season. Like we didn't have high expectations for the team. Uh, this was a, a growing, rebuilding year, uh, trying to get like what is hopefully going to be the next core in place while we continue to uh, collect high draft picks. But I think in at least half of their losses, they've given up like five goals. Uh, like just collapsing over and over. And so this three game reprieve has been a, a welcome change to, <laughs> to, to the, uh, the beginning of the season so far. <laughs> collapsing mid game, you say? No, that's not something we're familiar with. Uh, <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel any better, the Red Wings have slightly improved their course against, and they are now pretty middle of the pack. All right. They're better than the Kings, so you can lord that over us. <laughs> yeah, how are the the Kings doing? I like I, I can I'm looking at the standings right now, and obviously it's it's not good. And but they're uh, let's see, they're not the worst goal differential in the league because that would still belong to Detroit. Um, what's uh, just uh, tell a, a Red Wings fan what what we should expect or, or look for, please. Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, there's a lot of inconsistency and there's a lot of mystery around. Well, okay. So first of all, there's a lot of drama right now with Ilya Kovalchuk. Will he play? Won't he play? Is he going to be released or is he going to stick around and are they going to try and work things out? Who knows? But um in terms of on-ice product, it's really hard to say because from game to game, actually not even game to game, really from shift to shift, you never quite know what you're going to see. 
And if things start turning against the Kings, they kind of go into a little bit of a shell and they just kind of just kind of sometimes let their goaltender just kind of take over. And it's like, stop that, you dumb people on the ice. <laughs> oh, that sounds so familiar. Like, so we're basically <laughs> like the same team. We, the, yes, they even have a very similar record. So Detroit is 7-12-1. The Kings are 6-11-1. <laughs> so yeah, same number of, of goals scored, too. So uh, Although the Kings do have two games in hand on, on the Red Wings. I'm really looking forward to this battle of the basement. Yeah, me, me too. I, I think that... Uh, you know, we've got the – we're trying to not be a, a one-line team anymore. So if if you're looking for the excitement, wait until Dylan Larkin's line is out on the ice because it's been Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, and, and Tyler Bertuzzi really driving uh, play for, for Detroit. Um, they've got the it's, – it's the common the, – the forward line mix. You've got a, a sniper in Mantha. You've got a playmaker in Larkin, and you've got the, the grinder in Bertuzzi, and they work really well together. But – Recently, since the the wings, they absolutely stole Robbie Fabry from St. Louis. Like I really like Jacob De La Rose, who was a great waiver wire pickup last year. Uh, but trading Robbie Fabry straight up for Jacob De La Rose is one of those like I don't get how a GM did that. And he's been in all three wins, so he's uh, obviously he's undefeated as a Red Wing. Uh, four points in those three games, and he's looking really good with uh, Andreas Athanasiu. Um, and Valtteri Felpla. So uh, hopefully we'll be more than a one-line team uh, can more consistently, but I, I don't know. If nothing else, one out of every four shifts is going to be fun to watch. One-line team, you say? Gosh, that, that sounds oddly <laughs> familiar. <laughs> uh, it's really hard for the Kings because they've had a lot of bad offensive luck. So really at any one given time, it's only one line that's driving play and predominantly throughout the season, even though it's only been 18 games, but um, it's really been their fourth line, which is uh, Kyle Clifford, Michael Amadio and Trevor Lewis, which, you know, is exciting, but also they're not really known for finishing. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that actually sounds like our fourth line as well, except uh, Darren Helm is the one. Like, You will probably see a Darren Helm breakaway at some point because he gets one every game. He's still fast enough to get away. Um, but Red Wings fans don't even bother getting out of their seats when that happens because uh, he just does not score on breakaways. So the funny thing is we have a young-ish um, Darren Helm of our own. His name is Austin Wagner. Wagner. He's very fast. He's lots of fun to watch. He just has no hands. <laughs> Those but are I, the most frustrating because you're just waiting like his entire like he's going to put it together. One of these days he's going to put it together and score 30 and no, he's not. It's sad. But for some reason, you still love him. You're like, you frustrate me, but you're fun. So, you know, I kind of love you. <laughs> 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 At least that's how I feel. <laughs> No, I I feel the exact same way. He's what he's it's just twenty two now. So yeah, you've got a long way to go until because eventually we we did kind of fall out of love with Darren Hill because he got kind of a long, uh, too expensive contract. Um, 
but we didn't really get like the next Darren Helm in, so we, we appreciate him still. So this Red Wings team, um, you know, they have their veterans, but for the most part, their forwards are rather young. What, they're about 24, 25 each, right? Yeah, uh, that's that's really the, the heart and soul of the team. Like, you've got the – like. Yeah, you've, the veterans right now, uh, you know, aside from uh, Darren Helm or, or Justin Applicator, who won't be in the lineup, um, Franz Nielsen and Valtteri Filippula are the old guys, and they are very much like it's not like it's not the old guys that the Red Wings had been going during the time where they were trying to extend their playoff streak instead of uh, starting the rebuild like they should have been doing, where those were really guys that were expected to carry the torch. Um, anymore Nielsen and, and Philpola are uh, they it feels a very transitional role like they are kind of holding a place while the young kids um, kind of develop and, and they get they get exposed a little bit at a time to the, to the kind of grind that they need to and then sometimes they can get uh, they can get a little bit sheltered behind those older guys who, who cannot consistently uh, keep up with today's NHL but yeah, I really like the mix that the, the Red Wings are, are putting out there on the uh, at least in the in the forwards. Um, on on defense, uh, it was really interesting in the the Ducks game. There were you know, they played six defenders, and out of that, like two of them played fewer than fifteen minutes. One of them played seventeen minutes, and then the other three uh, were all over all over twenty five. And two of those were Chalow- uh, Dennis Chalowski and Philip Peronik who were both drafted in the same year. Um, and they're both, they're both kids too. So like, there's a lot of opportunity for the youth to really step up into these bigger roles. And uh, honestly, I'm not too displeased with the way that's going on. So overall, outside of the results, it sounds like the rebuild is going pretty smoothly. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 if you'd asked me this sometime last week before this three game winning streak, I, I probably would have said something a little bit angrier, but um, you know, in cloud nine right now. <laughs> hey, a winning streak will do that. Too. I, <laughs> I, I get excited after one win. I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> they beat, they beat the Minnesota mild yesterday. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, finally a win. <laughs> Any port in a storm. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Um, but it sounds like, you know, on the ice, the, the Red Wings, at least on their defense, they're getting a fairly um, – everybody's playing. You know, it's, it's not just relying on one, one person, one pairing. It's, it's pretty uh, balanced. Yeah, and they, they've kind of had to do that because they're really – you know, ever since uh, Nick Lipstrom retired, they've really been hurting for – um, essentially, their uh, their Drew Doughty, their true number one minute munching defenseman, um, and I, I felt for years that the you know before Cronwall uh, kind of fell off the cliff in terms of his uh, skill set, the Red Wings were always that one anchor piece away from having a decent defensive core, but without that one anchor piece, every single person was kind of slotted in one one bit higher than his true skill level and so they were all playing over their heads and that would lead to some really disastrous results so what it feels like they're doing right now is they're trying to grow into 
to see which guys can kind of handle that. And that's why I like what they've been doing with Chalowski and Hironik recently, because they are, they are kids in Hironik. He, he's got it. He's got skills. Uh, he, he's obviously not as polished in his own end. And, and the same with Chalowski, but they're puck moving defensemen who can play big minutes. Uh, they tend to play with uh, more of a stay at home guy. So that's helpful, but it looks like it, it, they're starting to figure out where exactly they can slot guys in effectively to, uh, to kind of so it's not the entire defense playing over their head. Now the third pair is uh, in the last game. It was Dylan McElrath and Alex Biega, and that was a just a terrifying adventure every time they were on the ice. But hey, if if we're only going to have one pair that's that's frightening, then that's way better than it has been in previous years. I remember uh, when Mike Babcock left and Jeff Blashill took over. The results were a little bit disappointing. The Red Wings didn't seem to have that same, I don't want to say fire, but it just did. I think expectations were a little bit higher for, for Jeff Flaschel. So with the rebuild and this three-game winning streak in mind, like how have things kind of turned around under him? Um, when he first came in, cause he, he got the, the championship pedigree from being the Grand Rapids Griffins coach. Um, and they were kind of transitioning, they were trying to transition the, the old core, uh, you know, Datsuk and Zetterberg over to what they were hoping would be the new core that had just come off from winning the, the Calder cup, um, with, uh, mostly, uh, Gustav Nyquist and, uh, Thomas Tatar. And it was just, it was a case that those guys were just clearly not as good as, as Datsuk and Zetterberg. And they were still on the, the organizational mandate. We got to keep the playoff streak going. And Blashill had been a very like run and gun, open ended kind of coach down in the AHL, his team, uh, their, their defense jumped up and took a lot of chances. And then in the, the NHL that basically stopped and they were really trying to grind for wins. And so it took a little while until, the, the team really committed to the rebuild and, you know, obviously Nyquist and Tatar are no longer around and he's been given my personal feeling on, on Blashill is that he is not going to be the Red Wings coach when it's time for them to actually be a contender. I don't know when that is like we've, we've had plenty of conversations during the, the awful start for, to the season that he's, he's got to go because like I said, we are expecting to lose games this season. What we need is we need to lose games productively. Lots of moral victories while the, the goaltenders let us down or, or whatever whatever happens. Um, so as long as the kids are not creating that, like, the the, the worst of, of the Edmonton losing culture, Jeff Blaschel is doing his job. But when you need somebody who's going to come in and really actually win games, that is going to be the next coach of the Red Wings. And I don't know who that's going to be. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. How excited are Wings fans to have Steve Weiserman, Steve Weiserman in, uh, in the front office? Oh, we are still uh, geeked. We have got uh, heart-shaped <laughs> drawings all over our, our Red Wings notebooks uh, about you know, dotting the I with, with little hearts for Steve Weiserman. <laughs> Um, everything he does is all part of the ice. And it's, it's funny because there have been a, f a fair number of Wings fans who have, like, yeah, yeah, every fan base has the the grumps. And so 
or the, the people who just like consider that I've, I've got to be the ombudsman for this. So everything Eiserman does, oh, he's not perfect. You know, if, if Ken Holland had done this, we'd all be furious. It's like, yeah, whatever. Just let us enjoy the moment. And then like even the, the grumps saw the, the Robbie Fabry trade. Like, I, I don't know how he did that. And it was funny for a while. Like we'd seen the, the lightning fan base had, had taken a calling Steve Eiserman a Jedi. And we're like, ah, I think you guys are a little like, that's, that's cute, but I, I don't, I don't get that. And then like, yeah, it was the, the fabric trade. But no, he actually is a Jedi. I, I don't get this. So yeah, everything he does is great. You trust the Eiser plan. Uh, even if we can't argue that, that he has done thing, he's done almost basically what we would have expected Ken Holland to do. It doesn't matter. Steve Eiserman is great. And Ken Holland is, is by get lost old man. <laughs> I mean, considering what he did in Tampa and his calf wizardry, I, even from the outside, I have to say that he is a little bit of a Jedi. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, let's talk about the goaltending. Two names we're familiar with. Um, American <laughs> hero, Jimmy Howard, and old friend, Jonathan Bernier. So, how's Jimmy doing? Uh, Jimmy's off to a bit of a rough start this season. Like it's been in the times where the team is needed to rely on him to pick up the game and, and steal something. He has not done that yet. And when he has kind of needed the, the team to pick it up and, uh, you know, kind of just give him a break that hasn't happened either. It's kind of a, a push me, pull you situation going on, but yeah, he's, He's he's facing a rough time, and honestly, Bernier has started the last three games and the wins, and I honestly don't know who's going to start this uh, this game between the Red Wings and the Kings. Like, if if I'm Blashill, you know, how do you how do you sit Bernier after those three consecutive wins, considering uh, Howard's been pulled in I think two of his last three starts? There's two narratives here that I kind of want to see. Uh, you know, you have the All-American goaltending duel, which we've seen plenty of times between Jonathan Quick and Jimmy Howard. But then if you have Jonathan Bernier, actually, there's three. Uh, but if you have Jonathan Bernier versus Jonathan Quick, it's like, ooh, backup or whatever versus, you know, his former, the, the, the former king versus the kings. Or it could be the battle of the backups with Jack Campbell versus Jonathan Bernier. Oh. So many narratives. <laughs> I think I'm rooting for, like, may the best Jonathan win. May the best Jonathan win. Ooh. Well, for what it's worth, not that it's worth a whole lot because he was on the – he was in the Eastern Conference, but Jonathan Bernier does have a pretty decent record against the Kings. Yeah, and I think uh, – <laughs> I, I don't I, I know that Jimmy Howard is really good against the Rangers, but I, I I seem to remember he's decent against the he's got a decent record against the Kings too. Um, so I I don't know how they're gonna go on that, but it, it's it's interesting because the Red Wings goaltending situation is kind of a roller coaster. Like they and I've I've said this before, like I, I think it's kind of the perfect uh, setup for where they're at in the rebuild is they've got two goaltenders who are they're not going to steal a ton of games. Like these are not, these are not Dominic Hasek going to drag you into the playoffs <laughs> and screaming kind of guys. Uh, they're they're going to, hopefully what we want is that we want them to make enough saves so that the kids making mistakes that force them to make those saves are not beaten down or, or don't get gun shy about trying to 
take the chances that that can lead to some really great scoring opportunities, but every once in a while lead to screw ups too. And right now they're just like it's a duck under underwater. Like they are really struggling to find who is going to be the Red Wings' next winning goaltender. And I I don't know who that is right now. Well, the Jedi, you know, he has lots of time. This is not a playoff contending team. So yeah, we got a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, give give Steve some time to work his magic. Don't be don't be impatient. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you've been going through this rebuild for a few years or anything, you know. <laughs> um so obviously a lot of the kids and we have already discussed them but you know the the kids are all right for Detroit but is there somebody who on the roster right now he doesn't quite get a lot of love he doesn't really get noticed but he just kind of quietly goes about and does an awesome job uh, I have a, a weird man crush on Christopher Ayn. Uh He's got zero points in the season, so it's it's really hard to to do. But, but he's just like he's really good at that whole defensive two way center kind of game that I I think a lot of Red Wings fans have kind of turned against because Babcock. Um, before he left and while the Red Wings were on the downswing was really like hammering on that. Everybody needs to play two way. Like, well, who's going to score goals? Well, don't worry about that. We're also going to play two way hockey. And so like the whole defensive center, like plus uh, Joachim Anderson was, was kind of the, the Christopher Ayn before then. And like a lot of people had hopes that he essentially like he might turn into the next Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, nobody has that feeling with, with Ayn. Um, but it's just fun to like watch. He goes out there, he hustles every shift and he's like, he's, sneaky good uh at at preventing the other team from doing good things he's just he, he's got even less ha- less hands than than darren helm or, or <laughs> your wagner kids so uh, i i like him a lot more than probably is respectable well we all have that one on the team where we're like i will defend him to death he is my son i don't care <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so any, uh, any game predictions for tomorrow or whatever, whenever this game is? Um, I'm going to predict that, uh, one or the other team is going to blow a two goal lead. (laughs) I, I, I'm not going to predict which one though. The funny thing is about that is that it is so easy for either team to blow a two goal lead. And you just you can't quite predict who's gonna be. Yeah, ideally it'll be both teams blowing a two goal lead. Like it'll come out to like three to one, and then it'll be five to three, and then it'll be six, yeah six to five in overtime. That's what I'll predict. Oh, you're rooting for a six five game, huh? Yeah, might as well. Both All Jonathan's right. lose. <laughs> in that case, I would like to see a shootout. Why not? I mean, if, if both Jonathan's can lose, then let's go for the skills comp. And I bet you more than anything, American hero Dylan Larkin will get the game-winning goal in the shootout. I love it. We've, we've written a great narrative. Now we just need our teams to live up to it. <laughs> I think so far, almost all of my predictions have been incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) So for whatever that's worth. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really batting too well on those either. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess when the teams are this inconsistent, it's hard to really live up to any kind of uh, prediction. 
Yeah, it's just so beautiful when it happens, though, because you 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 get to feel like such a genius. Yes, I was really well. Unrelated, I think I was watching USA Canada, and I was like, I bet you anything, USA is going to lose five to two. They lost five to three, but it was really close. Oh like, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, I'm vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, JJ, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right, you have a great one. You too. Bye. Okay.